You're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Josh Silverberg. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Little J himself. Yes, Joshua Silverberg, and on the board, as always, the critter. Yes, the critter, Mr. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. What is going on, my friends? I will say this. I will say this. The weather goes back and forth here on Long Island. You got humidity. You got the heat. You got the cool. You got everything. You got the pool. You got uh, the sauna. You got everything. You got everything rolled up in one here in Long Island, New York. So why not talk about hockey? But first things first, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Like you said, the weather has been up and down. I mean, this morning, I bring my dog to the dog park. It's cloudy. The weather's fine. Loving it. Home at 3 o'clock, and it's like 85, 90 degrees out. It doesn't make any sense to me why it just changes on a blink of an eye. But I guess you just like... Like they say, especially when you live in Florida, it can't be any worse than that. So, Well, I will say this. I don't like the weather here in Long Island, especially in the summertime, because it goes from 0 to 100 with a blink of an eye. You were just saying it was 66 degrees this morning. It was beautiful. Clouds, a little drizzle here and there, and then all of a sudden the heat comes out. It's 85 degrees. The humidity is out, and my butt is sweating. I don't like it. I don't like it. TMI, but that's cool. I, I don't like it. I definitely don't <laughs> like it. He likes it, you know. But hey. Well, Speedy likes a lot of things, but we yeah. can't talk about it on live radio because <sighs> we'll scare all the fans away. That's true. But we have a great show lined up for you guys as well. We're going to talk a lot about uh, hockey. The New York Islanders are tied 3-3. Three to three. Yes, it's, this is a pre-recorded show because the Islanders are the big story right now on 103.9. So we are, this segment is being pre-recorded. So the Islanders tonight are playing Game 7 in Tampa, which gives them the right to play the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup. Could it be Tampa? Could it be the Islanders? Whoever wins this series, I believe, will win the Stanley Cup. So the Islanders are one game away from possibly being the Cup favorites. They, they could be the Cup favorites moving forward in, against Montreal. So we'll, we'll get into that. We're going to get into all the stories in sports. How about the Hawks up one nothing against the Bucks? Trey Pain in the butt, yes. Pain in the butt, young, who likes to blow kisses to New York fans. Well, I'll blow something else at him. I just, it's just not kisses. Uh, but he is up right now. His team is up against the Bucks, who knocked off the Brooklyn Nets last week. We'll get into the Brooklyn Nets and what they need to do in the offseason as well, and a little bit of the New York Knicks as well. We will also get into the Clippers series as well. We're going to get into the New York Jets making a move for an offensive tackle. And and I will say this, Morgan Moses is a guy that will fill in really good in the right tackle position for the New York Jets. We will get into that. We'll talk about some of the other players that were dropped. A Pittsburgh Steeler guard, a very well-known guard, very popular guard. 
got dropped yesterday, so we will talk about that. We will also get into some baseball. The Yankees are playing good baseball. Gary Sanchez is hot. Who would have thought that Gary Sanchez would be the hottest hitter in baseball in the last three weeks? We'll get into that. And Aaron Judge is on a tear right now. And the New York Mets, who Jacob deGrom is Jacob deGrom, and the Mets... Uh, right now, the Mets. And by the way, that whole Max Scherzer, Joe Girardi thing, we'll get into that a little bit later as well. And you know, we'll get into crunch time and, and debate wars. We always do. But first things first, I want to get into the New York Islanders. And Islander fans, and I, I will say this, and I, I said this on our other show, the Sports Loudmouths. And what really bothered me wasn't the fact that the Islanders came back from a 2 nothing deficit in Game 6, which it surprised me, surprised a lot of Islander fans that they would come back, go to overtime, the first overtime game that the Islanders have played in, in, in a very long time, since I think the Boston series. Um, I don't even know if they played an overtime game against Boston. Yes, they did. Oh, they, they did. Two, they played two of them. That was the one off the guy's skate. And oh, then they okay, so... Since the Boston series, this was the first overtime game. Uh, Anthony Bolivier scores that game-winning goal. It was a fantastic five minutes that we saw. We didn't have to see double overtime or triple overtime. It was five minutes. The Islanders score and bring it to game seven. It was a minute eight into overtime. Yeah, within the five minutes. But what really bothered me was the fact after the Islanders scored and they were celebrating on the ice, the fans were throwing beer bottles, beer cans, shoes, hats, I have no idea what the Islander fans were doing. I'm an Islander fan. And I know a lot of people say that it was disgraceful. A lot of people say it, it's despicable by the Islander fans. I just think that, yeah, it, and it's not classless. I, I heard enough from the beef saying that they were classless, the Islander fans. This happens a lot. It's not just the Islander fans. We've seen it at Ranger games. We've seen it at Detroit Red Wing games over the years with the octopuses. We've seen this before. This isn't new. But... It, being that it could have been the last game at the Nassau Coliseum at the barn, why do you want to be remembered? Why does that game have to be remembered as a game that the Islanders came back from? It was a fantastic win, and the fans acted like complete jackasses. Okay, It was embarrassing. Matthew Barzell, after the game, said his thoughts to it and how it could have injured one of their players. It could have put them at risk. So... I understand why the Islander fans are excited about this. This is a very exciting. This could be the first time the Islanders go to a Stanley Cup Finals in almost 35 years, okay, since the 80s. So this is a, a huge, huge thing, for, especially for New York fans. The last time we've seen a team go to a championship game was the Mets. And that was what, 2015? Yep. So we haven't. New York sports has not been on top of the world, and we have an opportunity now to see a New York team go to a Stanley Cup Finals and possibly win a cup against a Montreal Canadian team that's playing fantastic hockey. Carey Price is playing fantastic hockey. There, the players, young players, showing up and becoming superstars right in front of our eyes in the playoffs. But the Islanders are playing great hockey. They lost a big game in Game Five. They were embarrassed by the Tampa Bay Lightning. They got to go into this game in Game Seven tonight. And shut down. Shut the fans up very quickly. And how do you do that? You score the first goal. You need to you need to quiet the crowd, get Vasilovsky off his game, because if Vasilovsky gets into his game and gets into the crease and plays at the top of his game, on top of the crease, you can't score on him. He is one of the most dominant goaltenders we've seen in the last 10 years, and when he gets on, he gets on. But all in all, I think this is a fantastic opportunity for the Islanders to show who they are, what they're made of, and if they somehow come off, come out a win against the Tampa Bay Lightning, a Stanley Cup championship team that won last year. They're the champions. This could be a very big story moving forward in the Stanley Cup Finals. 
I think when you look at the whole situation, right, you want to take into account that we know that Tampa's the home team. Tampa's, I think the last year and a half, they have not lost back-to-back games, okay? So that's a huge thing. And look, we've seen Tampa have very tough losses in this series. I, I, like I said, you, you brought up the honors and you brought up their good points. I guess I have to I, I have to be devil's advocate and bring up the Tampa points. And it's in regards to the fact that Tampa – when they lost two to one in game one, right, they came back at one four two. They lost a very tough game four where they Ryan McDonough almost had the had the had the win, had the save, and Ryan Pollock makes the great save. For, I mean, right? Like the whole thing was uh Vezina, Ryan Pollock should win it. That's it. And you know, you look at the situation, they come back the next game, they win eight nothing. Here's the thing. The Islanders have to be ready for a very strong Tampa push because they're going to be fired up by the crowd. That's it. I mean, Arrow, you, you said on the Sports Loudmouths, that's that's no joke of a crowd at MLA Arena for the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay fans. Mm-hmm. That's no joke. They take home ice advantage very seriously in Tampa. It's a great hockey town now. It's beginning to grow like kind of like what Nashville was when they went on their, their cup final run. They didn't win it, but they got there. You depend on Nikita Kucherov. Is Kucherov going to play in this game? He will. John Cooper said that he still doesn't know. I'd be surprised if he doesn't play. But here's the thing. like Even if he doesn't play, right, you think about the situation at hand. They've played without him all season. I think what you saw in the third period was the Islanders took advantage of when they had a man down Tampa, right? Because then what happens is that means other players, their ice time goes up. They get more fatigued. They're more exhausted. And you know Cooper loves playing with seven D-men. 11 forward, seven D-men. That's what he always does. Without Kucherov, they really can't do that. But they still have Stamkos. The Braden Point has scored in nine straight games, which is absolutely incredible. Anthony Sorelli. They have guys, Alex Kalor, And they have guys that have played in game sevens. Now, this group as a whole has not played in a game seven. I agree with you. The Islanders have to score the first goal. The Islanders score the first goal. You take the crowd out of it. That's a huge thing. The problem is I don't think in any of their – games I don't believe the Islanders have scored the first goal at all they came in less than they scored a first period goal and that's something like I said you know Tampa's going to be fired up by this crowd they saw the Kucherov hit I'm sure Cooper showed them film they're going to be hitting the Islanders have to be prepared they have to be ready to weather the storm as they say and I think the Islanders can handle it it's just like you said it is big it is big if Kucherov doesn't play it is it's very pretty, big. Oh, it's absolutely huge if Kucherov doesn't play. At the same time, though, this is a Tampa team. It's different in the regular season and the playoffs. No, I, and that's fair to say, of course. I mean, but again, at least... Stamkos has had one good game in this series. No, I, and I 100%. One at good least game. this time, Tampa will be prepared for it. They were not prepared for it in Game 6. You know what I'm saying? Like, he goes out in the first period, right? Like, all of a sudden, that takes away their entire game plan, where it's Kucherov, Point, and Palat, which is a filthy line. All of a sudden, it's it's everything that's gone, right? 17 seconds. I'd be shocked if Kucherov doesn't play. And even if he does play, he's not going to be 100%. Um, and you know the Islanders are going to try to take advantage of and, that. And they will, absolutely. And that's why I think if you're Tampa, you should play him because what it does is it's, it makes it kind of like a decoy, doesn't it? Like, then you can use point and you can use Pilat. You could even move Kucherov down the third or fourth line if you really want to. They're not going to do that. They're not. They're not. And I, I, I will say this. You look at both teams, 
and both teams have tremendous ability. The Islanders are a very good defensive team, team defense. You, you have a great coach in Barry Trotz. Lou Lamorello, by the way, shout out to Lou Lamorello winning back-to-back years of GM of the year. It's it's a fantastic story. Uh, and Lou Lamorello has a lot to do with the, the what this team has done and, and, and the growth of what these players have become. And these are a lot of these guys are Garth Snow's guys. A lot of them were Garth Snow's guys. The guys that he drafted. So... It's fantastic what you're seeing, the development of Pulak and Pelik and, and obviously even Bailey has played very, very well in the playoffs. Brock Nelson, it's been very impressive on some of the development of some of these players and where they've come from what they were when, obviously, Doug Waite was there and all the terrible coaches uh, for the New York Islanders. So Barry Trotz has really transitioned, and Lou Lamorell has really transitioned this organization, his team, and it's something that you really have to cheer for. I don't care what Ranger fans say. You... I know you're not going to want to cheer for the Islanders. And a lot of Ranger fans are not going to say, oh, I'm going to cheer for the Islanders. But you can't hate on the Islanders. This is a fantastic story. And, and, and to see this team in the last two years, one of the top four teams in the NHL, it's a great story. I'm so sick and tired of hearing the Beef saying that they're lucky. This is not a lucky. lucky. When you go to the conference finals two years in a row, you're not lucky. This is not a lucky team. This is a team that's very talented. They have a tremendous ability. They're great team defense. They're a very good four-checking team, and they hit very, very hard. And and they like to put their stamp to the game Every single game. Matty Martin, this is his opportunity to really have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. He wanted to come back to New York. When he went to Toronto, he was traded back to New York after Lou Lamarola came back to this team. He wanted to create and build that fourth line again with Clutterbuck, Sezikis. That line wasn't the same when Matty Martin was not on that line. So it's going to be a very interesting game. I, I believe this is going to be hard-hitting. Tampa's going to try to get the crowd involved with this really early in the game. So there might be a lot of early fights. I'm interested to see what the Islanders are going to do and how much pressure they're going to put on this team like they did in game number six. If they put the pressure, they did not show up in game five. If they do what they did in game five, they're going to get killed. If they put the pressure on this team, I believe the Islanders can come out the victor. If they put the pressure early in the game and show the uh, Tampa Bay fans, we're not scared of you guys. We're going to put pressure on you no matter what. And I don't care if we lost 8 to nothing in Game 5. This is a different game. This is a different series. It's 3-3, baby. And whoever wins this game has the right to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, that's what it comes down to, isn't it? I don't think Tampa even fear. I don't even think Tampa knows that the Islanders fear Tampa at this point because the Islanders don't. They took them to a Game 7. It's a matter of, like you said, the Islanders have to come out strong, take the crowd out of it. I still have to lean towards Tampa this game only because they're home and they haven't lost back-to-back games. Game 7, baby. I called it. I told Speedy, Game 7. If it goes 7 games, the Islanders win in 7. I'm going with it. The Islanders are going to win in 7 games. I think the Islanders win this series. It's going to be 1-1. It's going to go to overtime. And the Islanders are going to score the overtime goal. The Islanders score and go- double overtime and eliminate the Tampa Bay Lightning. I will be there till 3 in the morning. Well, there you go. I mean, it'll be a huge story throughout New York, throughout the newspapers, throughout magazines. This is a great story for the New York Islanders. And I don't care what any New York fan has to say. You're an Islander fan. You're a Ranger fan. You're a Buffalo Sabres fan. It doesn't matter. That was so nice of you to include the Sabres. Yeah, but they are. They're they're, they're a New York team. I know they are, but I was was very nice of you to do that. No, well, it's true. Uh, The the New York has three uh, New York hockey teams. And, and, And to me... I, I, I want to see the Islanders win. This is this is a big game for them. This is this could really solidify this organization. This could put this organization on the map. You're talking about free agents wanted to come and play in New York and Long Island now. The guy, Panarin 
Panarin, I'm sure, regrets not going to the Islanders. I really do believe that. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. I'm sure he loves New York. I'm sure he loves Madison Square Garden. But he could have had a chance to play on Barzell's line and, and, and be a Stanley Cup championship uh, competitive player. And I, I don't know if the Rangers, by the time Panarin uh, is ready to win a championship, he might be done. His car- contract might be over with the New York Rangers by the time they're ready to win a Stanley Cup. So I'm sure he has some doubts. Tavares has some doubts not uh, staying with the Islands. I think there's there's going to be a lot of stories. I would love to see John Tavares's face if the Islanders squeak out of this series and goes to the Stanley Cup and wins a Stanley Cup. Could you imagine what John Tavares is thinking in his head? Could you imagine? I mean, it could have been him. He could have had his name. He's never going to have his name on Lord Stanley's Cup as long as he's on Toronto. They're not winning nothing, okay? And the one Canadian team that you don't want to see if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan is the the Montreal Canadiens, and they're going to the Stanley Cup Finals. It's it's hilarious. It really is. Toronto, I'm not gonna laugh at Toronto, it. Toronto might riot if it's a Montreal <laughs> Islanders finals. What it could have been was it could have been the Islanders versus Robin Leonard in the mm. Stanley Cup final, which would have been very fascinating. I don't well, think it would have been, been fascinating at all. I think the Islanders would have won that series as well. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get Boy, into some basketball conversation as the Brooklyn Nets get eliminated. What do they do in the offseason? Do they add some bench players to solidify this team because they had a lot of weaknesses going into the playoffs, especially Harris, where they paid $80 million in the offseason last year? Do they go after a player? Obviously, Dallas Mavericks bring in a new coach. Jason Kidd is the new head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. And Rick Carlisle is back with the Pacers. When we come back, we'll get into all basketball conversation here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Joshua Little J. Silverberg. And on the board, as well, always, Mr. Speedy Petey. Remember, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio app on iOS, WWSRN, and on Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out our website, www.worldwidesportsradio.com. So it is a great website. Check out our stories. You get to see Speedy's bio, which is a very ridiculous bio bio. Really boring bio, by the way. So just a picture. Yeah, and that picture, that <laughs> smile just really brightens up your day when you see Speedy. I never smile. said I was photogenic. <laughs> <laughs> How about your underwear? Like, okay. Do you, do you yeah. have underwear on in that picture? Uh, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't I'm know sure. about that. I, I am sure. You told me you've you've done a couple of shows being. I did. W- I did one show wearing pajamas because I couldn't get in the shower because my brothers were in there. Well, how about your dog? Your dog was. Uh, you my know, dog was not. That was not. I was not when I knew you. Uh, I'm just. I'm just saying. Your dog liked to feast on something over there too. You know. You have peanut butter over there. No. All right. I'm just asking. Anyways, I'm going to waste peanut butter by putting it on my leg. Oh, I'm not talking about putting it on your leg. <laughs> Anyways, Josh, I, I want to get into the basketball. Uh, and, and by the way, I am not a Trey Young fan. I am not. After what he was doing against the New York Knicks, blowing his kisses, pissing the New York fans off, he's become my hated player. And you talk about Steph Curry. No more Steph Curry. Steph Curry's second. My number one hated guy, Trey, pain in the butt, young. Okay? It's a fantastic story right now what the Atlanta Hawks is doing right now. Uh, one Up one nothing against the Bucs. The Bucs that eliminated the Brooklyn Nets in Game 7, which 
Nobody would have thought that was going to happen, being that was in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant put on a great display of shooting, but it wasn't enough. James Harden wasn't healthy. Kyrie Irving didn't play. Oh, boo-hoo. And now we see the Bucks versus the Hawks. And, and in game number one, the Hawks showed you why they earned their way all the way to the Eastern Conference Championship. Trey Young's had, 40, I think, 47, 48 points. He played dominant basketball. And he's showing you why the Atlanta Hawks traded Luka Doncic for him. And Luka's, to me, one of the best players in the league. But what Trey Young is doing in the playoffs right now, I'm sorry. If you were to ask me who would I take when it comes to the game uh, a game time decision on, uh, in a big game. I'm taking Trey Young over Luka Doncic because Trey Young is, has taken his team, this Hawks team, all the way to an Eastern Conference championship. Might even take him all the way to an NBA championship. So Trey Young has been fantastic. If Speedy, who went when Trey Young got drafted, Speedy did not like that draft no, pick. I did not. And you were talking a lot of interesting things about Trey Young and that. Basketball takes. Yes, uh, very interesting basketball takes. If you guys want to hear it, I'm sure Speedy can put it on social media. But he did not like Trey Young, and he didn't think he was going to fit in the NBA. Well, he was wrong. And I like Trey Young uh, at the time, just like I like Steph Curry. But after seeing his cockiness <laughs> and his bad hairline, I am I am not a Trey Young fan. And uh, fantastic story. As far as the Brooklyn Nets are concerned, the Brooklyn Nets are going to have to make some moves in the offseason. They're going to lose Spencer Dinwiddie. He's going to be a free agent. They're going to have to re-sign James Harden, who now his contract is up. His Houston Rockets contract is up, so they're going to have to re-sign him. They're going to have to pay him between 40 and $45 million. So you're going to have three max players. Uh, you're going to have to be very smart on how you're going to bring in free agents and veterans that could fit this team and help you win a championship. This could have been the year that the, the Nets had their free ride all the way to the NBA championship and might have been much easier than it would have been playing the Lakers, okay, or playing one of those teams that were favorite going into the playoffs. But the Nets fell apart, and, and because they can't stay healthy, James Harden couldn't stay healthy, Kyrie Irving couldn't stay healthy, and we're not surprised about that. And Kevin Durant, you can't blame Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant played fantastically. He, he really did. He was a fantastic. He was the best player in that series, hands down. And, and that's why we, we compare and contrast Kevin Durant to LeBron James, and that's it. I mean, it's either Kevin Durant or LeBron James. Kawhi Leonard's fantastic. But I think the two best players in the league are Kevin Durant and LeBron James. And what we are seeing now in this offseason is Kawhi Leonard could opt out of his contract. Butler could opt out of his contract with Miami. You have so many players. Chris Paul is going to opt out of his contract in Phoenix. Even if they win a championship, he's going he's to opt out of his contract. Dame is going to be up for grabs as far as trade bait. Bradley Beal could be uh, an interesting player for a lot of teams. So there's a lot of good superstars that are going to be out there this offseason. And it could transition the league and change the league for the better. So what could the Brooklyn Nets do knowing that you have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant on board next year? What are they going to do that's going to solidify themselves as an Eastern Conference championship team and maybe an NBA championship team. That's going to be the question. Well, there's only so many limited options they have, right? Because of their cap space. You're paying Harden, you're paying Durant, you're paying Kyrie. Not to mention DeAndre Jordan as well. And you could thank Kevin Durant for letting his buddy come back to the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, that's a egregious contract that nobody's going to take on. They're going to lose Blake Griffin in the process. They might have to trade Joe Harris because he has some semblance of value that you could possibly trade. I don't know. After the playoffs, I don't know what value he has. I mean, if you get some bench pieces, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you get some bench pieces, some depth, if you want to go that route, I mean, you're going to have to go the, you know, you're going to have to go the Miami Heat route or the, you know, the Lakers, the, even the Lakers at some semblance route where they have to get veterans that sign the minimum, right? 
I mean, we talked about this on the sports live mounts this week, and I brought up names like Mike Miller, Shane Battier, Chris Anderson, keeping Udonis Haslam. You know, those guys aren't in the NBA anymore. (laughs) But see, that's the thing, though. Like, obviously, they're not there anymore. But we might not. There might be some kind of version of those guys. Bring them back from a retirement, if you want. (laughs) I mean, well, I mean, at this point, I mean, look, maybe Shane Battier might be better than ninety-five percent of the roster that the the Brooklyn Nets. After what we saw Harris do in the playoffs, uh, I think Battier would be better than Harris. That's for sure. I mean, it's 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 they're going to have to get some guys that have similar skill sets, and we might not know the names of those guys, right? But they will hit free agency. We just might not know who they are. But there will be guys that possibly want to just say, "Okay, I've made my money." I'm a little bit older. I think it's time for me to go try to get a championship. And the best opportunity that I have are probably either with the Lakers or with the Nets. Because especially with the Eastern Conference, right, next year, the Eastern Conference is going to likely be, unless things drastically, drastically change, might be a cakewalk for the Nets when everybody's healthy next year, right? Harden, because, look, let's be real here. If Durant, if Durant Kyrie, and Harden play, they be, they beat the Bucks in, what, five games? They'd I don't know about that. Play. I don't know about that. Just because it looked like that, because – Again, we don't know who's going to be hogging the ball, who's going to be shooting the ball. If Kevin Durant's not shooting the ball and Kyrie's shooting the ball or James Harden's shooting the ball, they could be cold, and it could have been an easy game for the Bucs. So but we don't see, know that's how That's why you have other options, right? So, like, if Kyrie's struggling, oh, well, you have Durant and Harden. If Harden's struggling, oh, well, you still have Durant and Kyrie. It's like it doesn't end. That's the thing. Like, big threes are oh, – I mean, you saw it. The Bucks got P.J. Tucker. Specifically for his defense, right? P.J. Tucker is one of the best defensive players in the league. He got absolutely demolished in this series by Kevin Durant. He got slaughtered by him. If Kyrie was healthy and if Harden was healthy, I think the Nets would have won in five or six games. There's a no you and like I said, you might that's that's fine. You disagree with that? That's fine. To me, once Kyrie got hurt and Harden had to play on one leg, shoulda, coulda. Shut up, coulda, woulda, and that's fine. Listen, I'm not making excuses. These things happen all the time. And, and the Boston Celtics years ago lost. Kyrie Irving had Terry Rozier carry their team to a Game 7 Easter Conference Finals against LeBron and the Cavs, which, by the way, and I will say it to this day, the Celtics should have won that Game 7. They were in Boston. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Of course, and that's the thing, right? Yeah, that's your that's so, your new slogan. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a shirt for you. Okay, it's, it's sports media. You you take analogies all over the place. Uh, like it's an analogy know, already. Right. If, if Kucherov doesn't play for the Lightning tonight, of course it's going to be talked about. It's not something that could be avoided. You know what I mean? It, it 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 goes without saying that if the Nets stay healthy with those big three, they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. We don't know what the Eastern Conference is going to be next year. But that's what no, I'm saying. But right we now, don't know. right now, they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. Right now, but next year it could be different. I mean, we'll the New York Knicks can add Dame Lillard and Kawhi Leonard and somebody else, a Bradley Beal next year, and who's the best team in the Eastern Conference? It's no longer the Brooklyn Nets. You, you would probably say the Knicks. So you can argue those points, and it's all about money. It's all about draft stock, but, but which, by the way, the Brooklyn Nets don't have, okay, because uh, the great Sean Marks decided to trade it all away for James Harden. So they better win because if they don't win, it is, it's a catastrophe, and it goes back to the Nets 10 years ago with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and the Jet, which, to me, really hurt that team, and it gave the Boston Celtics a uh, new life, uh, a.k.a. Well, Tatum an overrated player, and Mr. Brown over there. So, they gave him an overrated player, Jason Tatum. They gave him an overrated oh, player. Oh, yeah, you're an overrated player. I think you're on trial. <laughs> but but uh, I would love Jason Tatum on the Knicks. So would I. I would love him, but uh, that's just my opinion. 
Speedy might not, but we would. No, Speedy likes Jason Tatum. It's mm-hmm. Speedy just said he had his take on Jason Tatum. I think he's going to bite his tongue on that. But I um, think he should at this point. But I, I think that Kawhi Leonard could be available this offseason. I don't know if he's gonna not going to opt out of this contract. I, I think he wants more money. I think he can get more money. And why not, if he does opt out, before you sign with the Clippers again, why not air out your laundry with other teams? Go out there to New York, interview with the Knicks, go interview with somebody else, go interview with Dallas, go interview with whoever you want to interview with. Phoenix, if Chris Paul is no longer going to be there. you know, So there could be so many different things that could happen this offseason that could change everything. Can I I ask you this question really quick? Mm -hmm. And I am curious because I know you're a big Tips fan. I love Tips too, and I know Speedy does as well. So Kawhi Leonard is a load management guy, right? Yes. Like he's he's the king of load management besides LeBron James. I mean, he is the 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 face of it. Tibbs to me is a guy that I think is the complete opposite of that. He's somebody that doesn't believe in it. He's very old school. You're gonna play. Let me minutes. ask you a question. I know what you're gonna say. Let me ask you a question. No, no, but I'm gonna ask you. Do you think Kawhi and, and would want to sign with the Knicks because of Tibbs? If Dame is there, if Dame Lillard is there, and you no, have a chance, I mean, look, of and, course. And you become a god, and you know you could become a god in New York with Dame Lillard. I'm telling you right now, Kevin Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving regret not signing with the Knicks. Because if they did that with the Knicks, if they did that with the Knicks and Kevin Durant scored 49, what was it, 49, 15, and 18, whatever he had in that game, an all-time great performance— New York Knicks fans, he he would have been all over. They would have worshipped him. They would have they would have built this statue around Madison Square Garden. I mean, him doing it at the Barclays Center, nobody cares. Nobody cares. They practically gave away tickets over there at the Barclays Center. All right. No, I, no, it was all about helping local small businesses. Yeah. Remember that. Good for them. Roll out. Good for them. But uh, uh, to me. I, I think this is going to be an interesting offseason for the Knicks, for the Brooklyn Nets, for a lot of other teams, especially the Boston Celtics with Brad Stevens now, uh, the new GM of the organization. They brought in a new coach. Um, what was his name again? I, I forgot I don't know how it's pronounced, but it's Aime Udoka. Yeah, from the Nets. Yeah. And a lot of, very well respected around the league. Rick Carlisle uh, decides to part ways with Dallas with that whole Luka Doncic and Porzingis thing. Uh, and Jason Kidd is the new head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. Is that a good signing? I don't know. I don't know if that's going to keep Luka Doncic there either. Um, I think Luka is not very happy over there. I don't know if if Jason Kidd's going to make Porzingis and Luka like each other. And the reason why Luka might be on his way out, because I don't know if you're going to be able to get rid of Porzingis' contract. So you're going to have to keep one or the other, and I think you have a better chance of keeping Porzingis than Luka. And Luka hasn't even signed his extension. So I think he's a free agent in two years. So uh, I, I don't think he is. I, I really don't. I, and that tells me with the New York Knicks, if you think you have a chance for Luka Doncic, I would keep that salary open if you think that you can make that move in the very near future. Also, Zion Williamson, after uh, Stan Van Gundy got fired a week ago, Zion Williamson's family came out and said that they don't want his, their son playing in New Orleans. I mean, it's going to be his third new head coach in three years. They want it's- him out. I told you guys that he was not going to sign off his rookie extension with the Pelicans. I believe he wants to go and play with the Knicks. I, 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 he was very upset when the Knicks didn't get that number one pick. You saw it in his face. It was either L.A. or New York. That's where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to a big city. And now R.J. Barrett is in, there in New York. If you can pry a guy like Zion Williamson over here in New York and you bring Dame over there and you maneuver Randall, you get rid of Randall, you get rid of his contract, maybe bring somebody else in, maybe a Kawhi. Could you imagine that team? I mean, serious. R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, Dame, 
and I don't know, Kawhi Leonard. Could you imagine that four? <laughs> You're talking about an all-time great team. And uh, could the Knicks do that? Well, they got $65, $66 million they can spend in the offseason. So they can. So it's going to be an interesting, and Rose will be very smart with the money that he spends this offseason. I do not think he's going to just throw money away. I don't. And I, don't, and I, I guarantee you they're not going to give Julius Randle that extension after that no. playoff run. I they do not, not see it. Or should they? I don't see it. It's going to be very interesting. By the way, the Clippers and the Phoenix Suns, it's 2-1 Phoenix. Two, Phoenix had a 2 nothing lead. And, and, and by the way, uh, I'll say this. Paul George showed up in Game 3. Uh, he didn't show up in Game 2, but he showed up in Game 3. If Paul George can play like he did in Game 3, I think, I think they could beat Phoenix without Kawhi Leonard. I think they're the better team. Now, I think Kawhi Leonard could really solidify the team, but they weren't playing well with Kawhi Leonard in the lineup. So maybe Kawhi has been hurt. Maybe he hasn't been 100%. And I don't know if we're going to see Kawhi in this series. Maybe later in the series, if it goes six games or seven games, it, uh, I, you might see him. But all in all, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a very fun Western Conference championship. I think it's going to go to seven games. And uh, DeAndre Ayton, who I, I don't think is a very good player, he had that game-winning shot in game two. He's playing good basketball in, in the Western Conference uh, finals. And you're seeing some of these young players really develop right in front of our eyes. So it's been fantastic. It's been fun to watch. And um, this might be Chris Paul's chance of winning a championship, uh, even though I think he's going to part ways with them no matter what happens in the offseason. So very, very interesting. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, We're going to get into some football. And the New York Jets have signed Morgan Moses. One-year deal. What does this do for the New York Jets moving forward on that offensive line? And how could this offensive line transition this team to be a playoff team this year? When we come back, I will tell you why the Jets could be a playoff team this year. Here on the Weekend Crunch. We... Are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Joshua Little J.J. Silverberg. Adam Sandler Jr. And on the board, as always, Mr. Tidy Whitey Man himself. The board op. The board mania. The little critter. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. And check out our beautiful website, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And read all our articles, watch our sto- shows, our stories, everything is right on there, right at your fingertips. Anyways, the New York Jets are in a very good position. And who would have thought? Going into this offseason, and we've heard what Joe Douglas said when he came to this team. It's all about the trenches. And what Joe Douglas has done in the last two years has been absolutely amazing. You know he's an offensive lineman. You know he comes from the Baltimore Ravens. What did the Baltimore Ravens do all those years to solidify their team? They built around the hog mollies, the offensive linemen, and their defensive lines, the Ray Lewis's of the world, and all that talented defensive front lines that we've seen for the Baltimore Ravens. What he did last year, he brought in Makai Beckham, 
who was one of the more underrated offensive linemen going into last year's draft. The biggest offensive lineman we've seen in a very, very long time. Six foot eight, 360 pounds, runs a four, uh, runs a 40 in, what was it, five seconds flat? It's ridiculous. I mean, for a guy that size to run that fast, it, it's really unbelievable. And his development last year, even because of the injuries, he showed you when he was playing how dominant he could be, how he shut down Aaron Donald, how Aaron Donald had to transition to the other side of the line because he couldn't get to Sam Donald last year when the Rams played him. And how about adding Elijah Vera Tucker in the draft, moving up to 14? And we the last time the Jets moved up to the 14th pick was the whole Mangini time where they landed Darrell Revis. And we were we know how good Darrell Revis became. One of the greatest corners we've ever seen. So I'm not saying Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be that, but uh, a lot of people believe he's a Quentin Nelson type of guy. He's a beast. He's mean. You put him on the left side. Then you, you look at Font. You look at McGovern. You, you decided to keep him. You brought Freeney uh, in from the Chargers, who's a good player. Not a great player, but a good player. Added players. But we were hearing stories that Washington were trying to trade Morgan Moses. They couldn't move him, so they released him. And there was only two teams that he was interested in playing for. The Chicago Bears. And the New York Jets. And it slowly but surely started coming out through the media that it wasn't the Chicago Bears. That he wanted to go play for Robert Sala. He wanted to go play for the young offensive line uh, with the New York Jets. And uh, really in the last past week, it it started coming out that he he was going to be a Jet. It's just a matter of how many years, uh, how much money the Jets are going to pay him. And, and where uh, they're going to position him, at the guard position and the right tackle position. Friday, June 25th, we hear a new story as it breaks, probably around 5 o'clock this afternoon, that Morgan Moses is going to sign with the New York Jets, playing the right tackle position this year for one year, worth between 5 and $7 million. Now, I believe the Jets weren't going to give him a multi-year deal because they got to see if he is going to play at the top level that they believe he could play at. If he does, I do believe George Font will be gone next year. They will extend Moses because he's younger and he's much more talented than Font. You shift Font to the guard position. McGovern is your center. And now you have the biggest offensive line in football. Guaranteed. There is no offensive line as big as this line. I mean, you have a right tackle that's 320 pounds, six foot six. You have a guard now, six foot six, 307 pounds. Then you have McGovern, who's the smallest guy, six foot three, 300 pounds. Then you have Elijah Vera Tucker, six foot three, six foot four, 320 pounds. And then you have the biggest one, Makai Beckham, six foot eight, 350 pounds of brute muscle. You're talking about a, a, a beast a beast of men protecting a rookie quarterback. Something they didn't do for Sam Darnold. I'm sure Sam Darnold is upset about this. You're seeing what Joe Douglas is doing, Robert Solid is doing. They added the wide receiving core that they did this offseason. They had Denzel Mims, Corey Davis. Jamison Crowder, you know, obviously restructured his contract to stay with the Jets. Elijah Moore. I mean, there's so many weapons the Jets have this year. And now you see Sam Dono, who's going over there to Carolina. The same, They do have weapons over there. But do they have more weapons than the Jets now? I don't know about that. And this team is good. I believe if this offensive line plays to their ability, I believe they could be a playoff team now. I really do believe that. Well, when you look at the contract, there was a year they gave him one year, and, and they gave him three point six million. And if it goes up, if he plays, I think a certain number of games, it could go up to five. If the Jets make the playoffs, he gets extra money too. Sure, so, and they, but, up to and seven million dollars. So basically, what he did was with the three point six million guarantee was they took the pay cut of 
Jamison Crowder, and they put it into Morgan Moses. So again, very shrewd, good move by Joe Douglas, who again is going to have eighty plus million dollars next year, and they have twenty five million dollars still in salary cap this year. So they have to sign their top three picks, which they will do. Mm-hmm. But they're also probably going to get a veteran backup quarterback in the building as well before training camp starts to help with Zach Wilson. So when you look at that whole situation, it's kind of crazy. What I've been reading is they rather have Fampy the backup tackle, swingman tackle, like do come some sort of some of the five man um, lines with the running attack. They shift him with guard. I'm telling you. Yeah, and they, I mean, but that like that's the they're still keeping Van Ruin at guard, which is interesting. I don't know why. Um, I think Alex Lewis is probably going to get cut at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no reason to keep him. David DeCasher was another name. Now, I didn't realize DeCasher had surgery on his knee again. I didn't realize that. The Jets are not bringing David DeCastro. I mean, not. if they listen, if they bring in DeCastro for a one year deal, it would be a shrewd, great, amazing move because DeCastro was a Pro Bowler. Actually, he's been a five time Pro Bowler. You could add him to the right guard position. Now you have really, really, really solidified your offensive line because now Fan could be, along with Van Roden, could be on the bench and have depth, which is something that this team has lacked for many, many years. But Moses is a nice addition. He's 30 years old. He's never been a pro bowler. Or 28. Like I thought he was a pro bowler, too. He's actually never been a pro bowler, but what he was is a team captain for the for the Washington football team. He's a team, he was a team captain for them. He was a leader on the offensive line. He is 30 years old. You're right. So, And guess where um, he's from? Richmond, Virginia. Where's Makai Beckham from? Richmond, Virginia. Where is Joe Douglas from? Richmond, Virginia. That's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna say. Harder when you say I, that. I'm just. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm just telling you where these guys are from. There, there's no lie to this. Do, do you see what Joe Douglas is trying to do? Oh, he's doing your connection, and he's bringing guys in from the same area that grew up in the same place. That mm-hmm. he has that connection and that livelihood of knowing what it's like to grow up there, and it gives these guys something to talk about and a feeler. But again, like I said. He's never been a pro bowl or anything, but he's been a very good, productive player. And he was a team captain on the Washington football team. So when you take something like that, and that's one thing Joe Douglas does a lot of, right? You see it in these drafts. Like he, and it's crazy. They still even have Cam Clark, who they drafted last year, too. I want to see what Cam Clark does. Maybe he develops into something that maybe they look at. Because he was a team captain, and you looked at him in that game against Clemson. He really was a gr- really great asset for Coastal. So they still have guys that they have. That piece of Chuma Adoga is another one, although I'm not a big Adoga fan. Also a guy. From USC, Elijah you know, Vera Tucker. Where, like, the Vera Tucker stuff comes in, right? Mm-hmm. It's like all combining it together. The guy that I saw questions about is McGovern. We'll see how he is in the system. If he doesn't work out well, there's, I think, a slew of centers that are coming in free agency next year. Mm-hmm. That I, think, I think they're drafting a center. They I will draft. They either will draft one. I think next year could really be the year where I think Douglas dips his toe into having to maybe overpay for a center, but he'll do it because he knows he's got a second-year quarterback playing. So, We'll see how it goes. But the, listen, you can't complain. He took the pay cut of Jamison Crowder, put it into Morgan Moses. I love, I, I'm going to tell you this right now. I love Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas, as I. You want to kiss feet if he came over to you right now? I, I would, I, no, I would actually interview Joe Douglas and I would tell him, I would tell him why he is one of the smartest uh, GMs in all of professional football. Because to see what he's going to have to spend next year and, and you're solidifying your offensive line, you can't tell me the Jets are not going to be a top five, top seven offensive line this year. They're going to be. With the depth that they have, if they could stay healthy, they're going to be able to protect Zach Wilson. And if you give Zach Wilson all the time in the world in the pocket with his fast release, forget about it. And the weapons that they have, I'm going to take back what I said. I didn't know if Morgan Moses was going to be a Jet, so I I couldn't say it. This team should be a, a playoff team this year. 
This should be a playoff team. The weapons that they have, the offensive line that they have, they could protect Zach Wilson, keep him on his feet. The only thing that worries me is the secondary of the Jets' defense. That's it. Their front seven will put pressure on the opposite quarterback because it's a 4-3 defense. Quinn Williams will be back. You have the weapons, and you have the defensive tackles and the beast uh, up up in the trenches that can get to the quarterback. And Lawson's going to be beastly. I, I really do. This year in a 4-3 defense, he's never played in a 4-3 defense. He is going to be explosive in Robert Sala's defense. So I think that this team is has got a lot of talent. This team is rebuilt right in front of our eyes. I think there's a couple of things that we need to, we can question on, on this team. We don't know who the tight end's going to be and who, who's going to start as a tight end. And, and how much, how much uh, offense are we going to get from the tight end position? And the running backs. Who is going to come out as the number one guy? Is what it going to be Coleman? Even? I just we'll, said we'll, the secondary is going to be the weakness. It's going to be the weakness with the Jets. I mean, it could be a weakness, but again, they drafted like six guys. Do you know how long it takes a, a cornerback oh, to course. develop? Forever. Especially if you're not a top draft pick. Unless well, you look at this, Jason Pinnock, they drafted him out of Pittsburgh, and unless him, the Jets drafted a Pittsburgh corner, did pretty well. Yeah, but well, that was that was a yeah. first round draft pick, and that was Darrell That's Revis. Fine, but again, look at Richard Sherman was what a third or fourth round pick. Well, Richard I mean, Sherman, Richard Sherman, Darrell Revis is Darrell Revis. So, no, but I'm saying, you know, if if you have the right coaching in place, which we all think Robert Sala is, you could develop these guys into really good players, right? Isn't that how coaching is really put out there? And no matter when you're drafted, you're supposed to help develop these guys. And some of them, I don't remember the last time the Jets had a third, fourth, fifth round guy where that was really developed into a good player. It's been a very, 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 very long time since that has happened where you see it all over the league, fourth, fifth. Six round picks are all being developed into really good players, and it's like, how did this guy get passed up and then go to the fifth round, seventh round, sixth round, and we never get that? Well, you hope now that Salah can do that for these guys. I think it's been a very productive offseason for Joe Douglas. Their draft was sensational; they had the best draft. People put a, most people on their boards put the Jets in the top three. Top some people had them number one. Adding the three talented players that you had in the first two rounds: uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, Zach Wilson. And Elijah Moore. And they're saying Elijah Moore is explosive. He's looked the best out of all of them and these OTAs. So they think he's going to be a wonderful player. If he's anywhere close to Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs, watch out for the Jets and how explosive they could be. Because I think the Jets have more weapons than Kansas City does this offseason. I mean, look at it. Corey Davis. You have a big man that can go out after the ball. You have Denzel Mims, a big man that can go after the ball. You have now Elijah Moore. Jamison Crowder, Herndon, you have the kid that they got from Ole Miss, the tight end over there. And, and by the way, you keep forgetting, everybody keeps forgetting Cole from the Jaguars, who he oh, looks, I love Cole. and they're saying Cole has looked awesome on the field. He's actually won the job from Denzel Mims right now. I don't and think it's... Elijah Moore, he might be the most athletic receiver that they have on the roster. I don't think Denzel Mims is not going to win that job back. I think that he, he comes from a spread offense. He It's going to take him a little while. Remember, he didn't have much of a, a regular season last year because he was hurt for six games. And he guess who was... Much, don't worry and he it. had Adam Gase coaching him, so that was enough yeah, said. So, Mr. Cuckoo Eyes. So, <laughs> uh, I think going into this offseason, I think it's going to take him a little while to understand this offense and, and, and this NFL play action offense but when he does the speed and the ability that this kid has I think he's going to be the number one guy I don't care what Corey Davis says that he's a number one guy Corey Davis is two Denzel Mims is one Elijah Moore is three and I'm telling you right now that's what's going to happen because I I I I have so much faith in this kid what about Jamison Crowder Jamison Crowder's here for one year he's going to be gone next year 
He that's no, why he is, but he's still going to be a productive player. No, I, I I just mentioned Jamison Crowder. I think they're they're very explosive this year. I, I I don't think Kansas City has more explosive players than the Jets do. This is a very good wide receiving core, and they still have Berrios, and they they have players Smith who played well last year at certain aspects of the game. They have weapons that can make make plays. And remember, Michael Carter, who I think is going to be the starting running back for this team, they're saying he's looked fantastic too in OTA. So it's going to be very, very fun moving on to preseason and then obviously the regular season very, very soon. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, baseball conversation. The New York Yankees, hot. The New York Mets, they're still hot. Where do these teams go as the season progresses? And Gary Sanchez is the hottest hitter in baseball. Who would have thought? When we come back, we'll get into that here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Joshua Little J. Silverberg. And on the board, Critter, 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 Speedy, Speedy. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app. Well, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com and check out our app, or you can go to our app by going to iOS, Apple, WWSRN, or Android, World Wide Sports Radio Network. So, Josh, I'm going to let you take the floor because you are our homer of the New York Mets. How are your New York Mets doing? What do you think the Mets need to do moving forward to solidify their position as the number one team in the National League East? Well, as far as being a homer, that's completely factual. That's completely That's false. a lie. Fabricated. Lie. Um, what the Mets need to do going forward, they got to start hitting with runners in scoring position. That's something that they really need to do. I know they won yesterday. They beat the Phillies in, in extras. In the first game of the doubleheader, that's great. Congratulations. That's awesome. They are not hitting with runners in scoring position. And they got their big boppers back, right? Like Conforto and McNeil. But, you know, it really comes down to situational hitting that this team is just having an issue doing. Now it's nice to see Lindor is finally hitting now. He's been feeling good all year. Now it's nice to see him start to hit. But now it's everybody else has to follow suit now, right? Like Alonzo struggling. Conforto is still struggling. McNeil at times is struggling. It, McCann has been awful. I mean, it's seriously to the point where they have You were closer. so happy about McCann the other day. I think it was like two weeks ago. Like, I can't believe it. He's unbelievable. Now all yeah, of a sudden, awful. I didn't say, well, no, hold on. I didn't say he was unbelievable. I said he's hitting well. And <laughs> I didn't say he was unbelievable. Homer. Well. Homer. No. I don't understand how that's being a homer if I'm saying that the team is deficient. <laughs> if, 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 oh, if I, I was, love getting under your skin. If, oh, I don't know. If I, I was it. saying the team was a homer, I would say the Mets are doing great with runners in scoring <laughs> They're 0 for the last. How much? They were 0 for 8. Speedy, shut up. You think Jason Tatum is overrated in Trey Young's I didn't say anything. I, I didn't say anything. I was just laughing. I saw you laughing. You're going along with it. Why don't you kiss arrows? You know what some more Ooh, while you're at. I like so it. Anyway, I am not kissing anything of his body. Well, listen, like, well, you like to have the banana peel sent to you from Arrow every Saturday Ooh. night. So there you go. Um, but besides that, listen, the Mets, they need to hit better. They really do. They they have this lineup that's supposed to be this juggernaut, and there are guys that are just not hitting in the clutch at times. So, again, we'll see Nimmo. I know Brandon Nimmo comes back next week. So uh, it's another guy that they're getting back. They're getting the lineup back. It's just when are they getting the starting pitching back, right? When are they getting the ball? Like Familia, who was pitching well, is now hurt. It's like every time somebody comes back, another person goes down. It's just an insurmountable amount of injuries. And they're keeping up. They're 39-31 right now. They're in first place by four and a half games. 
when you can't be upset about it, it's just they got to hit. And especially when they get if they get to the playoffs, they, they have, have to, to, not got to. They have to. No, I said they have to. No, you said got to. Don't you listen? Of all the people that want to teach me grammar, you're the last I, one to be. <laughs> Speedy, did, I, did he not say? Did he not say got to? He did, but again, at the same time, Josh is right. I don't know if you're the one. Shut that's up, Speedy. Teach grammar. <laughs> I'm going to take that's my shoe and throw it at your, your that's not too side of your season. head, you little punk. <laughs> well, he is a critter, so there's that. Yeah, he does uh, look like Besides a that, they're playing okay baseball for a first-place team. They should be playing better. They have to hit with runners in scoring position. It comes down to situational hitting. And as far as the Yankees go, Gary Sanchez is playing great so far. The Yankees Gary are Sanchez. They're play, they're, you, know what, you know what the best part about when a team is struggling is? You play crappy teams on your schedule so you get things right. That's what helps because then going forward, it's going to help them. And Kansas again, like, City is not a crappy team. They're in third place in their division. Oh, okay. the Royals? Yeah, they're not crappy. They will perform oh, this Royals. year too a little bit. They've been playing good baseball. And a matter of fact, yeah, that's fine. It's still playing Ray good Corey baseball. Soler, the best player is hitting 165. Okay. And at one point, the Yankees' best hitter was hitting that too. Oh, well. <laughs> I didn't want to touch on that one. That one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the Mets have played good baseball. Thirty nine and thirty one is nothing to cry about. That's funny. You're actually nicer to them than I am. Um, they're 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 playing good baseball. You you look at their division. The division is very weak. The next team right in second place, the Washington Nationals, thirty six and thirty six, four games out of first place. I don't think they're catching the Mets. I know it's still early. I still there's they're a lot of baseball. As they should, they should trade Schwarber. And those I mean, guys. you have a hundred games left in the season. A little bit more. A little bit less than 100 games left. There's a lot of baseball left. So, But I, I just think the Mets with their pitching staff going to get healthy. You have guys like Carrasco coming back. You have Syndergaard possibly coming back at one point this year. They're going to be even more scarier, the Mets. And their lineup, I think they'll add a, a hitter here and a, a hitter there before the trade deadline that's going to solidify uh, Are they going to be bench. a third baseman or a left fielder? Uh, whatever <laughs> they're going to do. They're going to solidify. And I think there's nothing that the Mets have to worry about. The only team Another they needed to worry about are the Atlanta Braves. And Atlanta Braves, they lost two big starters during the season, early in the season. So I just think that I don't think anybody's going to catch him in that division. The Phillies are terrible. Miami has fallen off. And the only team that could catch catch them is Washington. I don't think Washington's going to catch him. I think they're going to trade Max Scherzer at the trade deadline. I really do. And we've you heard a lot for you could get a lot right now if you really wanted to. You could get a ton for Schwarber if he continues this stretch. But the Mets also still Nobody's giving him anything for Schwarber. I will say this a ton for um, Schwarber. Guy can't play defense, and to me, he's more of a DH than he is a lineup player in the National League. So, if you want him as a DH, you're gonna you're gonna overpay for a DH. By the no. way, just as I say, right, guys are coming back. Like Brandon Nimmo comes back next week. Jonathan VR goes on the IL. You know what I mean? Like it's just an endless thing that just it's like one guy comes back, but they need another. I think they need with Familia out and with Gazelman out. They still, I think, might need one more late inning reliever. I think just to take some of the pressure off because. May and Castro and Lugo and Diaz are playing really well. And Loop as well. Aaron Loop has been beyond tremendous. I mean, it, it's crazy what they the, – the, honestly, the best thing the Mets did was – and I, I I begged the Mets to bring back Justin Wilson. You reached out to them and begged them? Did you get on your knees? What? Did you get on your knees and say, oh, please, give me this guy? <laughs> I'm glad they didn't, let me tell you, I'm glad they didn't bring back Justin Wilson. Aaron Loop's been killing him. Justin Wilson's been struggling this year. I Justin think Wilson's not playing. Wore his arm out. He's not playing. Justin Wilson is hurt. No, I know, but when he did play, he had an area above six and a half. All right, relax. It's still early. And when he comes back for the Yankees, I'm sure he'll be fine. 
I, I think you need to uh, hold your hold your horses, man. Pull your panties up, okay? If I'm you're wearing panties, it. I got boxer briefs on. Oh, I'm sorry. Then pull your boxer briefs and wear them as panties. How's that? Crank yes. them up your butt. Uh, but uh, I, the Yankees have played good baseball in the last two weeks. Gary Sanchez is very, very hot. Uh, I, when, when all the fans were giving up on the Yankees and they were saying, oh, trade this guy, trade that guy, get rid of Aaron Boone. Oh, Cashman's the worst GM in baseball. Well, look at the team right now. They're 40-34. and 34. They're four games out of first place. And they have a chance. When, whenever they play Tampa and, and the Red Sox next month, they'll have a chance to actually win out the division, get back in first place. I think that the only way the Yankees lose and they don't make the playoffs is if they beat themselves. They're too good of a team. And when Luis Savarino comes back, and I believe he'll be back this year, and, and this pitching staff actually clicks on all cylinders, when Garrett Cole, they actually hit in front of Garrett Cole, which they haven't done, I think that this team is going to be as what we expect them to be, either the head wild card team or the number one seed in the American League East. So I think that when you look at and right now, Tampa hasn't played well. In the last 10 games, they're 3-7. and seven. Uh, The Red Sox are 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games, and the Yankees are 7-3. and three. If the Yankees play at this pace... The Yankees will catch those teams. The Yankees are a better team than both of those teams. And they have more talent when they, they're playing on all cylinders. Void is back. He's hitting home runs. You talk about Gary Sanchez. Aaron Judge said if Glaber Torres can somehow get out of this nest of no hitting, I think that this lineup is going to... Clint Frazier, they, they can't trade him. And I think Clint Frazier is completely busting his opportunity of winning that job. We were talking about him taking the job from Gardner for all these years. Gardner was the starting left fielder all these years for the New York Yankees. Finally, the Yankees bring him back for leadership, and they thought Clint Frazier was going to take over the reins. He has been horrible. He can't hit. He can't defend. He can't do anything anymore. He's, he might as well be a popcorn guy or something like that, or give out hot dogs or something and wear the hot dog hat. He, he's been terrible. He's been horrible for the Yankees. So I do believe the Yankees will be looking for an outfielder at the trade deadline, and Gio Oshello has played very, very well. I still think the Yankees are going to look for a left-handed bat that can play the infield. And Trevor Stories has been a story still, and I think it could still be a story. This is a left-handed power hitter. Uh, even though he's not had a great season in Colorado, he still provides something that the Yankees don't have. So it's going to be very interesting moving forward for the New York Yankees and what they're going to do before the trade deadline. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into Speedy Debate Wars here on the Weekend Crunch. What? What? <laughs> no Joshua Silverberg as he leaves, as always. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. And now my co-host, Mr. Tidy Whitey Man himself, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9. The LI News Radio Network brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Guys, download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN, or Android, World Wide Sports Radio Network. Well, Josh had to run. He had to take his beautiful wife to a nice, beautiful dinner. And then after she's done with him, she's going to come over and feed me some grapes. <laughs> grapes. Okay. That is highly specific. Grapes. I love my grapes. And if her sister wants to join her, uh, they both can feed me grapes. Anyways, <laughs> Speedy, what do we got here? Debate Wars. Oh my God, blow this this my ears is out. the Debate Hour. And now, in this corner, your host, Errol Moss. Yes! And in this corner, who gives a shit? Exactly. 
Still the greatest drop in Worldwide Sports Radio Network and Sports on the Go One history. Mm. All right, we will start with some underdogs in light of the Montreal Canadiens advancing to the Stanley Cup Finals. Which was a great, a more surprising finals run? Them or the 1999 New York Knicks that made the finals as an eight seed? Mm, I think it was the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, fantastic what they did. Look what they had to do to get to where they are. And, and we are, we're going to see two Eastern Conference teams play for the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time ever. Carey Price has been fantastic. Uh, he's been everything that we we always thought he was. Uh, this guy was one of the best goaltenders in the league for many, many years. Just injuries really plagued him. And, and some of the young players that we've seen and, and, and an interim coach take a team all the way to the Stanley Cup. The last time we saw that was Craig Berube who won the Stanley Cup against the Boston Bruins. So, uh, a fantastic story. I'm going to say the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I'm going to say Montreal Montreal as well. I, th- I think the, the fact that they were supposed to be a rebuilding team, a lot of misfits from veteran guys, a lot of prospects that we didn't know if they would be ready right now. I know they had the Canadian division to help them out, which made it easier for them to get in, but they still have to get past Toronto, which, again, Toronto's playoff Toronto, they're terrible, but they're still a talented team. Winnipeg's still a good team, and then knock you off the Vegas Golden Knights the way they did. Granted, the Knicks had to go past some good teams, too. Miami, Atlanta was a good team then, too, in route to them getting in the NBA Finals. But I think the Knicks had more talent on that team than this Montreal Canadiens team. You know, even though Carey Price is going to be eventually a Hall of Famer. So I'm going to go with the Canadians as well. All right, let's go to baseball now. Who had a better Cy Young season? Greg Maddox in 1995 or Pedro Martinez in 2000? Greg Maddox. When Greg Maddox was on top of his game, there was nobody better than him. I know Pedro Martinez, the only team that really dominated him was the Yankees. That's why, a.k.a. Who's Your Daddy? You can compare and contrast the numbers from the whip to ERA to strikeouts per inning. I'm going to go with Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox has had a 1.63 ERA, .81 whip. He had a 260 ERA plus and 180 strikeouts, 10 complete games. I'm going to go with Greg Maddox. I would agree with you. I'm going to go with Greg Maddox as well because a lot of it, because of the complete games, I think the complete games are very hard to do. Obviously, they were a little easier in that time, but still, I think you look at very hard to do 10 to 7. I know he wasn't a strikeout pitcher, but he was so efficient in those games. 1.63 ERA without the strikeouts is very hard to do. And I think he was just a craft of what he did, really defining the times. I know the Braves were probably a better team than what Pedro Martinez was on in 2000, but I'm still going to go with that as well, Greg Maddox. All right, let's see if we'll get a disagreement here. Two corners at one, at one point played for the Eagles. Eric Allen or Asante Samuel? Who was better? Asante Samuel. Now, Eric Allen had a very good career with the Philadelphia Eagles, but when Asante Samuels went over there, he solidified that that corner position, especially coming from the New England Patriots, winning all those championships, the two championships that he won with the New England Patriots. Asante Samuels was one of the most underrated corners in the league. He solidified that number one position, which they were craving all those years. So I'm going to go with Asante Samuels. I'm going to go with Allen because I think they didn't try the passes deflected back then on pro football reference, but his pace for what it would have been was actually very insane, where it would have been, he would have probably had 200 in his career. I think Asante Samuel has also helped out as well by Bill Belichick uh, and that defensive scheme. We talk about the Patriots all the time. He played very well with the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. He did. He played well with the Eagles, and he played with Atlanta, too. I'm not, I, I love Asante Samuel. I think he was a, good, a very good corner as well, but Eric Allen also played on some Saints teams that were pretty bad. Raiders teams that were okay, but weren't known for their defense at that time. and still had pretty good longevity. Not that Asante Samuel didn't either, but I think Asante Samuel just was helped out by a little more. So I'm going to just give the slight edge to Eric Allen. Plus, again, undersized, too. That uh, At that time, it was very hard to do. All right, let's go to hockey now. 
Who is a better goaltender, Mike Vernon or Tom Barrasso? Tom Barrasso. Tom Barrasso uh, has the most wins out of any American goaltender besides John Van Beesbrook. Tom Barrasso was a fantastic goaltender for the Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, he was on those two championship teams. Uh, he was a big part of those two championship teams. I think it was the 90s. Yep. So I'm going to go with Tom Barrasso. I'm actually going to go Vernon on this one because Vernon, I think, had better longevity towards the end of his career. He also won a Stanley Cup with the, with the Calgary Flames, the only one in their franchise history. They beat a very good Montreal Canadiens team. Uh, you and you and Dan were you arguing the other yes. night with, with Patrick Waugh in the 80s. The Flames I remember actually, Vernon, too. Yeah, the Flames beat that team. I think his longevity was better. And I think, again, Barrasso with those Penguins teams, those were very good Penguins teams. Tom Barrasso had a longevity, too. Now he, he had solid longevity as well, but I think I think he also 300 wins. Out of, he was the first American-born goaltender to have 300 wins. True. I also think, though, later in his career, he did well with the, with the expansion Sharks teams, which still weren't a great team at that time. Detroit was a good team, obviously. One of the best teams in the NHL in the 90s, but the Sharks were an expansion team. I think that ends up making a difference as well. And the, what he did with the Flames was not as much talent as what Barossa did with the Penguins. I'm going to give the slight edge to Vernon. All right, let's go to the NBA now. Who is a better point guard, Sam Cassell or Mark Price? Mm. Ah, that's a good one. Mark Price with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and then obviously Sam Cassell with the Houston Rockets. I'm going to go with the big-headed Sam Cassell. I I think Sam Cassell was a big part of those Houston championships. Great team leader. Uh, He was a pain in the butt on the court. Mark Price was a small guy. He played very, very well at the Cavaliers, but never won with the Cavaliers. Never won a championship. So I'm going to go with the the champion, Sam Cassell. I'm going to go with Price. I I know Sam Cassell won championships, but those were at the beginning of his career with Houston. I I don't think he he had a really a big role on that team. Yes, he did. He was off the bench. He was a starting point guard. Oh, he was a starting point Mm -hmm. guard. Okay. Oh, I thought that was Kenny Smith. No. Kenny Smith was a shooting guard. Okay. So... Yeah, all right, so, all right. so he had a bigger role than I thought. But I, but Price, one of the best free throw shooters, 94.4% free throw shooters. Again, he, that Cavaliers team was, was the team that gave, They never won. They never won, but at, at the beginning of Michael Jordan's career, they gave him some fits, and that was a, that was a big They never beat game. Michael Jordan either. Ne- never beat him, but again, not many teams did. So, again, that was, giving him fits, I think he was a very good player on that, on that team. I think revolutionary for his time. More assists per game, even though Cassell, I think, had more overall assists in his career. In that in that sample, good three point shooter all around, and in an era that wasn't as big for three point shooting. So I'm going to go with Price. All right, let's go back to baseball now. Who was a better outfielder that at one point played for the Minnesota Twins, Kirby Puckett or Torrey Hunter? Kirby Puckett. Kirby. Now Torrey Hunter is one of the greatest defensive players we've ever seen at the center field position. But Kirby Puckett, the the way he hits, the 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 game winning hitting, and 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 how about winning those championships? He's a two time champion with the Twins. Uh, Torrey Hunter was a great player. He never won a championship with the Twins. So I'm going to go with the champion Kirby Puckett. I'm going to go with Kirby Puckett as well just because of that. The, the, the playoff hitting, obviously the walk-off hit that won 1991 in Game 6. I love Torrey Hunter. He's actually one of my favorite players that was a of Famer growing up. Yeah. He was one of my – him and Grady Sizemore were my favorite center fielders. Like, I loved watching Torrey Hunter, but Kirby Puckett with a batting average, I think finished career 318 batting average or something like that. Great playoff player. May he rest in peace, by the way. Yeah, and – was really revolutionary. Both were tremendous defensive players as well, but Kirby Puckett, I think, did a little more. Both of them could steal bases. Both of them had good speed, but the batting average in the playoff, give it to me as well for Kirby Puckett. Back to the NFL. Who was a better running back, Fred Taylor or Steven Jackson? Hmm. I'm going to go with Fred Taylor. and I, I like Steven Jackson. He was a good player for the Rams. Uh, big guy, strong, fun guy to watch. Uh, couldn't stay healthy. Fred Taylor, was. he had the longevity. Even though at the mid part of his career he did fight injuries with the Jaguars, he when he was on the field he was dominant. He was fun to watch. 
he wasn't as big as Steven Jackson, but he was so elusive. So I'm going to go with Fred Taylor. I'm going to go with Steven Jackson because he was so elusive for his size. He was very good. Everyone thinks of him as just a power back. I don't think he was just a power back. I think he could do a lot more. Fred Taylor, obviously... Didn't have, he had great longevity. He had some carries taken away at the end of his career for Maurice Jones-Drew. So I think Steven Jackson was able to catch up when it came to the numbers yardage-wise. But Steven Jackson also had one of the best receiving seasons for a power back, had, had getting 802 receiving yards, too. He was he was the focal point of an offense that was pretty bad on the Rams, too, for a while, where they didn't have they had no uh, Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce are gone after that. He was the focal point for a long time when Mark Bolger and guys like that were, were the quarterback. Whereas, I, again, Taylor played on some iffy Jaguars teams, too, but they still had some more talent, too. And I think Steven Jackson, even with the Patriots, he was productive there, too, in Atlanta. So I'm going to give the slight edge to Steven Jackson. Let's do one more. NHL, who is a better player, Mark Recchi or Temu Solani? Timo Solani. Mark Recchi was a good player. Played for the Penguins. Played for Philadelphia. He was all over the place. I think he also played for the Canadians. He was on yes. a couple of teams. But uh, Timo Solani, how many prolific offensive players that we see come from Finland and dominate? Uh, his first year, I think, he had 80 goals, which is the most we've seen since Wayne Gretzky at the time. It's Timo Solani. He was a fantastic player. Hall of Famer. I think he had over 600 goals in his career. Yep. Uh, just prolific offensively and so dominant with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. And he, he played for a couple of teams. So I'm going to go with Timo Solani. Yeah, I'm going to go with Timo Solani as well. For his size as well, being able to do what he was able to do with Winnipeg when they were not a very good team. Won a cup with Anaheim. We talked about it on, on the Sports Lab Mouse a couple days ago. <laughs> that Anaheim team was average at best. And Timo Solani was the best player on that by far. And his speed, his goal scoring ability, even his passing ability for his size was tremendous at that time. Great longevity. He went all the way to, I think, 2014 or something like that. Yeah, 2014. He played a long time and played incredibly. I think Recky had a more overall points, but Solani did a lot more for worse teams, I think. So I'm going to round it out by agreeing with you and going with Temu Solani. Well, there you go. Debate wars. Speedy's questions. I'm answering them. Didn't know the questions and still beat them. What can I say? It's a gift from God when you when you, this is good. I'm just kidding. Anyways, when we come back, Speedy, the last segment of the show, Crunch Time here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, and Josh went out feeding grapes to his wife, and she's coming over to me after she's done, and she's going to feed me some grapes. Uh, not Josh. I don't want him feeding me grapes. But uh, on uh, as my producer and slash co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy, the last segment of the show. Crunch time! It's time for Crunch Time! Alright, let's start this week with the Game 7. Obviously, this is pre-recorded, so you guys all know the results, but this is for our Buy or Sell. Buy or Sell, the winner of Game 7 will have four goals or more. I'm going to buy that. I, I do. I, I believe that this is going to be a lot high scoring than you think. I think the winner of this game will have four goals and the loser will have three. So there you go. I'm going to sell it. I think this is going to be kind of a scrappy game. I think the Lightning will win. I think it'll be with three goals, though. I don't think four, because the Islanders' defense is still very good. I, I, I don't think they'll allow any sloppy goals. I know you say Varlamov gives up some bad goals all the time, but I don't, I don't think it'll be four. So I am going to sell that. 
All right, buy or sell. Jacob DeGrom will keep his ERA under one until the end of the month of July. It's right now at .5. I'll buy that. I think Jacob DeGrom has played fantastic baseball. I don't know if he's going to keep it under one the whole season, but I I think he's been fantastic. It's a great story. He's on a record-breaking pace. We haven't seen a pitcher do this in a very long time. We haven't ever seen it. It's a first of its kind. So I'm going to buy. He will. I'm going to buy it, too. I agree with you. I don't know if he'll keep it up the whole season because that's going to be very hard to do. But at least... I could see it maybe in point eight or lower point nines where you keep it at that point. That's probably three starts. And again, the Mets with his injuries right now are going to probably keep it a little more cautious with him. So how many innings he goes in those starts as well will also make a difference where I don't think his ERA is going to lower as much as it would raise unless he has one bad inning. So, but I will agree with you and buy that as well. All right, let's go to the NBA. Rick Carlisle and Jason Kidd will both make it past the play-in games in their first season with the new team. I'm going to buy it. Both guys have two very good teams. Dallas, if they keep Luka Doncic, they'll have a chance. If they decide to trade him, they don't stand a chance. So I think bringing in Jason Kidd is trying to keep Luka Doncic happy, and maybe it'll calm Porzingis down. Who knows? Um, We'll see. Uh, But I do buy that both teams, and the Pacers are going to be a very good team this year. With a very good defensive-minded coach like Carlisle, they're going to be fun to watch. So I'm going to buy it. I'm going to sell it. I think the Pacers, I think, will just because they're in the East. But I think the Mavericks, I think it'll be a little harder. Because I think, yeah, I know Luka Doncic is is a great player. He was great in the playoffs this year, too. But, again, the team as a whole is still not great. Jalen Brunson's all right off the bench. They have a couple young players that work. But it's not a very deep team. And I think as a whole... In the Western Conference, I know they were a five seed this year. There's going to be teams that are better. The Lakers are going to be better. I think the Warriors are going to be better again. So I, th- I don't think they're going to be that. I think they'll make the playoffs as one of the play-in teams, but I don't know if they'll win it. I just don't think they have enough depth. And I, I really don't think Jason Kidd's that good of a coach. Look at when Milwaukee left. Obviously, Boonholz was a good coach, but the, the Bucks were a seven seed with him at best. Uh, I don't know about that. So I don't think he's a great coach. So I will sell that. All right, buy or sell. David DeCastro will sign with either the Jets or Giants. I'm going to sell that. I don't think he's going to sign with any other teams. He could retire with his knee injury. Yep, I've heard that. Um, I think he'll go to a championship competitive team. I couldn't. I could see the Patriots maybe bringing him, maybe even the Saints. But I don't think the Jets or the Giants. I think the Jets are done with their offensive line. So I'm going to sell that. I'm going to sell it too. I, I want him on the Giants if he doesn't retire. Because you're right. I've, I have heard that report too. This was his first injury, so I'm surprised he was relatively durable for the most part in his career. So I, I want the Giants to get him. I just don't know if Dave Edelman is that smart to do it. It would make up somewhat for them getting rid of Zietler, strangely, the way they did. But I, I agree with you. I don't think he goes to the Jets. I think the Jets are pretty content on Moses and this unit in the second year type thing. So I will also sell it as well. All right, buy or sell. Back to the NBA. We will see a 50-point game before the end of the NBA playoffs. Kevin Durant was close. Trey Young was close. Somebody will finally crack 50. I will buy that. I think it's possible. I, I do. I, I think Trey Young... There's a couple of players that could do it. Paul George maybe can get a breakout. And how about uh, Devin Booker? That really hasn't shown up yet in that series. So I'm going to buy that. I think we will. I'm going to buy it. I think it will be Devin Booker. I think Devin Booker has been due for it for a while. He's a very good volume shooter when he needs to be. And I think as well, when you look at the way he scored in certain games, he was great at the end of the series against the Lakers. Yes, he was bad in game three and two against against the Clippers. But I think he'll, I think he'll figure it out. I think... The Clippers eventually will start defending other players, too, if other guys get going for the Suns. Because the Suns have played good, well-rounded basketball. I can see Trey Young doing it again, too. But, again, he's also had his drop-offs at the same time. And, and other guys have stepped up for the Hawks, too. Uh, Kevin Huerter was the big Game 7 hero. John Collins. So, I, I can see being both of them, but I definitely will buy that. I think it'll happen again for sure. All right. Buy or sell. There will be at least three pitchers caught for the foreign substance again within the next month 
and suspended the new with the new ten game rule. I'm gonna buy it because baseball will make sure that they find it. So buying it. Yeah, I'm going to buy it, too. I think the reason before they didn't do it was, I think there was a lot of star treatment. It was Trevor Bauer was caught before. It was Garrett Cole. I, I think if it's somebody random, like a Michael King for the Yankees or something like that, if he gets caught, he's going to get it. Somebody random is going to get it, whereas I, the stars aren't going to get it. But three times, I could definitely see it happening. All right, buy or sell. Back to game seven. Matthew Barzal and Braden Point will both have two plus points in game seven. I'm going to sell that. I, I think one of them could. I don't think both of them are going to have it, so I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it, too. I think Point will, because Point's been a very good playoff player. I can see him having a goal and assist in this game. But I think I think Barzell, I think he'll only have one, maybe one assist or one goal, but I don't see both as well. So we agree again. Buy or sell, Richard Sherman, still a free agent, will sign somewhere else other than the Jets or 49ers. I'm going to sell that. I think it's either the Jets or the 49ers. Uh, Robert Sala's over there with the Jets. Uh, the Jets are looking for a veteran guy to come into the cornerback uh, room to help out some of the young players. And the 49ers are a team that he loved to play for. So I am going to sell that it's only going to be the Jets and the 49ers. I am going to buy it. I have a weird feeling the Raiders, because they do this all the time, they're going to overpay for him. They're, Richard Sherman, obviously, being a Bay Area guy. They were from Oakland for a while, obviously now playing in Las Vegas, but I feel like they'll overpay for him. And Richard Sherman, again, a lot of the reason he, he might want that money. I know he has loyalty to Robert Sala for sure, but I think the Raiders are probably going to overpay for him thinking he could be that kind of thing again, which I don't trust him to do with the Raiders, even though the Raiders did fire their defensive coordinator. All right, buy or sell, back to baseball. The Cubs had a combined no-hitter a couple nights ago. There will not be another no-hitter until after the All-Star break. I believe that. I don't think there's going to be another no-hitter for the rest of the season. Wow. So I'm going to buy that there won't be anything as far as after the All-Star break and before the All-Star break. I'm going to buy it, too. I, I think there won't be another one this season. I would go as far as to say that there won't be one this there won't season. Be. But after the All-Star break, there's only two weeks left. It's hard to anticipate. I mean, they come at random times, but I definitely think it's hard for me to anticipate that happening. All right. Let's go back to the NBA. Buy or sell. The Clippers will win this series, even if Kawhi Leonard does not come back at all. I will sell that. If, if Kawhi doesn't come back, they don't win the series. If Kawhi comes back and it's close and it goes to a game seven, I'm going to buy that they will. So if Kawhi doesn't come back, I'm going to buy that they're not winning. I, don't, I didn't think they were winning either way, even if Kawhi did come back later in the series. Because even if he did come back, he was going to be limited. I had Suns and seven at the start. I'm going to stick with it, even if Kawhi does come back. So I'm definitely going to sell that as well. All right, buy or sell. Todd Gurley, a recently signing with the Ravens. He who cares. He will become the lead back there. With no the Ravens. Sell. It's not going to happen. That's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too. I think you, the rotation is too strong with Gus Edwards there. J.K. Dobbins are young. Too many back running backs there. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's how many carries? That's he another steal. guy. I'm going to sell it as well. All right, buy or sell. The Rangers will have a winning record in Gerard Gallant's first season. I will buy that. I don't know if they're a playoff team, but they'll have a winning record. I will buy that. I'm going to buy it, too. I think NHL 500, I could see them making or something like that. But you're right. They're probably not a playoff team. But, yeah, I could definitely see 500. All right. Let's go back to the NBA. Buy or sell. Trey Young will have two more 40-plus point playoffs. I'll buy that because their team are not off offensively savvy. And he is the best offensive option. He shoots a lot of shots. So I'm going to buy it. I am going to sell it. I don't think it happens uh, twice. I could see it one more time. I have Milwaukee winning, too. That factors in where I think they'll if Milwaukee wins They could six, still win with him scoring for it. I'm saying if they lose, though, will they get enough games for him to do that? Where I think Trey Young will have one, maybe at home, maybe game three or game four. But I don't think he'll have more than one more after that. And I think the Bucks will win. So they're not going to advance much further. All right. One more. 
The Montreal Canadiens are the biggest underdog to make a championship in any of the four major sports. I'm going to buy it. I, I think it's an amazing story. They didn't. They had no right to be in the Stanley Cup Finals, but fantastic. Carey Price has been fantastic. Their interim coach has been fantastic. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna say I'm gonna buy it. Yeah, yes. I'm gonna buy it. The only upsets that I think are even bigger was one in the Olympics that I can remember, which there was a snowboarder who did a who transformed into skiing that won a gold medal out of nowhere, and Leicester City in the Premier League that won with some of the most drastic odds that anyone's ever seen. In the four major sports, it definitely is Montreal. <laughs> like, on paper, they're probably, like, a tw- the 20th best team in the league, and they're in the Stanley Cup. And again, like I said, the Canadian division helps out with that a little bit, but still, I, it's a, it's drastic. There's no 8C. There's no NCAA tournament like that. There's nothing like that. I will definitely buy it. What a show. And Josh could not finish up the show with Debate Wars because he had to feed his wife grapes, and she's coming over to feed me grapes a little bit later. So we're going to have a little bit of fun. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, <laughs> um, shout out to Josh. Hopefully he has a good dinner with his wife. Uh, fans, hopefully the Islanders move on to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. Might have some guests. We had a lot of fun. I hope everybody's enjoying our great radio show here on 103.9. We are the voices of sports radio here on Long Island, and we hope moving forward you guys our fans, and and you keep following along for what we're going to do and the great, great things we're going to do for this network. We will be back uh, next week on Saturday at 7 p.m., so definitely stay tuned for that. Speedy, you have anything to say before we go? Yep, Uh, like I did on the Sports Lab House, I will congratulate my cousin Alexander, who graduated. Congratulations to Shoshana, my niece, yeah. for graduating high school. My beautiful niece. She deserves all the credit in the world. Absolutely. Congratulations to her. And congratulations to my cousin Alexander, graduated from Patchogue Medford High School this past Thursday. Congratulations to him and wishing him all the best as he begins college. Absolutely. Again, we'll be back next week. Until then, this is Errol Mark, Speedy Petey, and the late, great Joshua Silverberg saying good night, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody.